Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I would ask a few questions of you guys that I want you to consider about your relationship to the Lord and and how it's expressed in your relationship to the body of Christ. Some people believe that they can have a relationship with the Lord, but not necessarily deal with the body. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I love God. I just don't love church. You know, I don't do church. I don't do organized. I can't stand the people. Um, but understand this, you, you really can't love God and, and not love his people. It's easy to love people who are likable and similar to you. It doesn't take any supernatural power to love them. However, if you're part of a church, you probably know people who are difficult to love. Today, Pastor Bill teaches that you can't love God without loving his people. God doesn't call you to love just some people. Christians are called to love everyone, especially fellow believers. The church is called to be an example to the world. Is there anyone that God is placing on your heart to love? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20. As he continues his message, my brother's keeper. Jonathan's going to tell David, look, I'm going to have a little, one of the little lads, a little boys, and when I shoot my arrows, he's got to go collect my arrows. So Jonathan's going to tell his, if David, you hide out in the field, lay down somewhere where nobody can see you. I'm going to go out there and do my target practice with my arrows. If I tell the young man, hey, go, go get there on the left side, go on the side over there, then you know it's all good. It, no, there's, there's no harm determined towards you. But if I shoot past him and I said, no, go further, go further, they're beyond you, then you know that evil is determined and you need to get out of here. And so that was the plan that they came up with. And again, as I, I was pondering all of this, like all of this that they're doing, right? David's got to, you know, David, he's got to tell David, David's got to tell Jonathan, well, tell my dad that I'm, I'm going to be missing in action because I had to go home. And all of this they got to do because this king is crazy. Because a guy in charge is has a wicked heart and they're trying to protect themselves from him. I want to just say this, because I think it's also an important thing. Some of us are in leadership. Some of us are in positions of authority over other people. And I know in the in the world, people do things a certain way in the world. Maybe, you know, people have to exert their dominance or their leadership or whatever in the kingdom. Do people need to fear you as a leader? That's a mindset that some have, though, that like, you know, I need to be revered and feared. But I don't believe it's accurate. Right. I believe God needs to be feared and revered, not 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 the leaders, not the people. God needs to be. We need to revere and fear the Lord. That'll that'll fix everything. Right. If you revere and fear a man, that's only good for when he's present. He ain't present all the time. He couldn't be everywhere at once. Now, if I fear God, God's always present. Amen. I got to deal with that all the time. God is always aware of what's going on. So um, it's, it's, it's actually an unhealthy thing here where I'm looking at Saul and his poor leadership. His son is afraid. Uh, another person that God has anointed. Two men of God are, are they're concerned about him and what he might do to them. And they're having to go through all these little all this little backdoor stuff they're having to do to try to make sure that he's not going to get them. I would just say to anybody here that God blesses to be a leader. Maybe you're just a parent, you know, even as a parent, you can't be leading through terror and fear. Some parents, that's how they lead. I listened to some. I was with uh, uh, Anthony earlier today and I heard a woman. I just heard how she spoke to her kid. And I was like, whoa, 
Oh, you know, like that's it, it hurts me when I hear a parent. I'm like, that's how you talking to your your child you birthed. I hope that's her child, you know, but it was rough. It was really rough. It was it was. And I understand like having to correct or whatever, but it was like that's that's like how you might talk to somebody in the street, you know, uh, over an issue. That's that's your child, ma'am. Um, and so we want to be careful that that we don't let the world and how they do things begin to influence how we do things, particularly in a church. Uh, we want to lead in love. I want to lead by the spirit. I want to lead in such a way where I leave room for if you're going to fear somebody when I get done, fear Jesus. Right. He says that's that's who we need to fear. And if we all feared him, uh, that'll sanctify all of our lives. I mean, that affect how we treat each other, how we speak to one another. Everything will be affected rightly if we would fear God. So uh, but Saul has everybody worried about him. That's it's unhealthy. Uh, and it's because of, of of the sin in his life. And so uh, moving on. So David asked Jonathan, you know, how, how am I going to know if your father answers you roughly? Verse 11, Jonathan said to David, come, let us go into the field. So both of them went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or um, or the third day. And indeed, there is there is good toward David. And I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so much to me and more to Jonathan. So. He's just promising David, I'm going to definitely let you know as soon as I hear from my dad. You know, he says, um, verse 13 now, um, may the Lord, uh, may the Lord do much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety and the Lord be with you as he has, um, as he has been with my father. Verse 14. And you shall not only show me kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Now, it's believed here that Jonathan is aware. Jonathan knows that David is God's man. He's going to be the king. God is going to wipe out all your enemies, of which I know my daddy is some of it. So he's saying, hey, can you make sure when... When y'all are dealing with my dad and his folks and they foolishness, can, can you spare me? David, we good. We good? We good, good. You know, we, I'm your guy. We in covenant relationships. So me and my children later on, can you can we have a covenant that you, I'm not going to die? And me and my kids, we, we good with David. You know, that's essentially what he's saying here. That's in faith. That's, that's Jonathan saying, I know what God is doing here. And I'm okay with what God is doing here. This, this reminds me of you know, the, the thief on the cross that said this day, you know, he says, Lord, remember me when you get to your kingdom. I know where you're going. I know you're the king. And when you get to your kingdom, remember me. This is essentially what Jonathan is saying to David. I know how this is going to go down. I know my dad is going to pay for the wrong that he's done. I know God is going to wipe out all your enemies. So when he's doing that, can it be make it very clear that I'm not on the enemy list with you, that uh, me and you are good. And um, that's what Jonathan is asking David to do here. Verse 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. And so um, acknowledging here that, you know, my, you know, we're not going to destroy Jonathan and his people. Verse 17. Now, Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And um, I, I, I would just write down here, you know, the Bible says that we're to love others how like you love yourself right and this is it's an interesting thing in our culture right there's all these you know 
I don't know. I don't know how people do this. I've heard sermons on how important it is to love yourself. How many guys have heard Bible studies about how important it is that we love ourselves? Right. Here's the interesting thing. Right. There's not a verse in the Bible that tells you you need to love yourself. You know what's wrong? You know, I've heard someone say that, you know, I can't even love my wife until I can love myself. I got to I got to I got to I got to get I got to get in the mirror. I got to love me. I got to have me time and go do some stuff for me. And then I'll be able to love her afterward. That's so bogus. Here's what the Bible teaches all the way through the Bible. The Bible teaches that you already love yourself way too much. And so God always says, hey, if, if, if love others, how Lord, like you love you, because it's a given you love you. God tells husbands in Ephesians five, three ways. He says, husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. But later on, he says, love your wife like you love yourself. You selfish husbands. You love yourself. If you just love her like you love yourself, everything would be all right. Right. And that's that's something we're called to do as believers, to love others the way we love ourselves and the way that fleshes out. If I'm going to love you like I love me, I got to consider as I'm dealing with you, would I want that? Would I want to be spoken about like that? Would I want to be treated like that? Would I want to be handled like that? I mean, let me do to you what I would want done to me if you were in my position, if I was in your position. That's what it means. And so when it says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul, he he really cared about him. He said, man, I, I love you like I love you. If it goes good for you, it's going good for me, David. And if it's going bad for you, it's going to be bad for me. That's that was the kind of love and concern that these guys had. And that's why I was like, man, this is this is my brother's keeper. He's saying, however, it's going with you, David. That's it's affecting me. I'm affected by it. I'm, I'm if you're good, I'm good. If you're bad. It's tough for me, too. You know, he loved him like he loved his own soul. Um, so there's a genuineness about the love that these guys have for one another. Verse 18. Then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon. And you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone Ezel. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there there I will send the lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I, you and I have spoken of, indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. And in each case, Jonathan is just reiterating, hey, the Lord is between you and me forever. Uh, may he watch between you and me. May we, may we continue to be in covenant, even if we have to be separated. May we continue to be in covenant together. And so um, I would ask a few questions of you guys that I want you to consider about your relationship to the Lord and, and how it's expressed in your relationship to the body of Christ. Some people believe that they can have a relationship with the Lord, but not necessarily deal with the body. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I love God. I just don't love church. You know, I don't do church. I don't do organized. I can't stand the people. Um, but understand this. You you really can't love God and, and not love his people. It's not really possible. Right. If you told me, Bill, I love you, but I don't like your child. I don't like your children. Is that loving me? I'm offended at the thought. Right. That you would tell me, man, I really love you. But them, your, your kids, I, that harmony, I tell you, boy, you know, or whatever, you know, that that would it would be offended. Loving me would mean loving those that I love as well. You know. And so in the same way, if I'm saying, God, I love you, then God, those are my kids. I love I love them. And just like I love you. So part of loving the Lord is being a part of the body that says, hey, I love on 
genuinely, I love God's people. And we want to grow into a place where that's that's really our get down. That's natural that we love God's people. We love the Lord. We love his people um, that is fleshed out in our behavior, our speech, our attitudes, our actions. Um, these things please the Lord. Uh, I don't believe it's possible, again, to have some deep, loving relationship with the Lord that allows me to be negative and, you know, and cut off from the people that God loves. I believe that it's, it's both. I got to do both. Um, and so how, how is your relationship to the body? You know, are you involved? Are there do you have in the body of Christ relationships that are beneath the surface, people that you really know and that really know you? Are there people that you speak openly about your, your flaws and your weaknesses, and your sins? Uh, or are you someone that just kind of keeps the surface? I'm blessed. I'm doing good. How you doing? Bless, bless. Just keep it on. Keep it at that, that, that fake level. Christianity. Are there people that know when you're not blessed in the flesh doing poorly? Smack somebody. You know, I, I, I said a bad word. You know what? Do, do, do you have people that, you know, I got guys in my life that we have something we call naked accountability. That means when these guys say, hey, how you doing? That means I want to know everything. I want to know how you're doing in your marriage. I want to know how you're doing with your kids. I want to know when you, how, if you're in the flesh, how you're doing what you're reading. Are you spending time in the word? How's your devotional life? Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's for accountability. These guys love me. I love them. So we ask each other, hey, how's it going, bro? Let's, let's check in real quick. You know, we, all of that and no lies, no, no, no covering up. Um, if we're doing good, we'll rejoice that we're doing good. If we're doing bad, we're going to pray and talk and get into the word and share and challenge and keep each other accountable. But we're going to walk each other through. You know, these are real relationships. And I I thank God as the years have gone by. I'm thankful to the Lord for those people. These are guys that care about my walk with God. I know a lot of people and a lot of people expect me to walk with God. But I I appreciate that God has put in my life some people that are like, I'm not taking it for granted that you're just going to be walking with Jesus. I'm going to check in. And, um, you know, and I do the same. These are guys that we check in. And if it gets if they're guys that if I was doing bad at home, they're guys that my wife would call and drop dime and they would get they get at me. Uh, I got guys his wife will call me and say, hey, you, you need to talk to your friend right now. It's, it's not, you know, or whatever. So um, but these are all these all these relationships are built on. We, these are people that we love each other in the Lord. We we I'm not going to stand by and watch you. You're not going to fall away from God while we friends. Uh, I, I'll come snatch you up. We'll, I'll beat you up. You're going to get saved again. You, you're going to make a recommitment today in Jesus name. So um, but we need those real friendships, real relationships. And here's the thing. You can't have a real relationship if you're not real. So if you keep it fake, you know, surfacey, I'm doing well when you're doing terrible, um, then that's probably all you're going to be able to have is surfacey type stuff. If you want to have in-depth, meaningful, genuine relationships, I'm not saying you share your whole heart with every single person. You need to pick and choose and pray. But you should have some people in the body of Christ that love the Lord that know how you're really doing. Someone that you're not ashamed to say, hey, this this is what's happening in my life this week. Pray for me for that. Um, We all need it. We need to be available to do it for others, but we also need it for ourselves. None of us is that holy. Amen. None of us is above it. And um And so it's accountability. We want that. So moving on, now look at verse 24. So then David hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as at other times on the seat by the wall. That's the wall he was sitting on when he was chucking spears at day for David. So and Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side and David's place was empty. 
Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So this is the moment that they've been waiting on. Now I'm going to tell my dad the tale and see how he responds uh, to, to what we tell him. Verse 28. So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away to see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Verse 30, then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I know, right? We'll come back to that in just a moment. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? So let's run that back. So, so we know right away that based on what they had said, right, this is a bad response. He says, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. So I'm going to bash your mama. And, 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 and put you down. This is, but here's what we come to here with Saul. This is Saul's, Saul's anger. Just think about this, right? David is supposedly at home having a sacrifice with his family. Not a big deal. It's only a big deal because Saul wanted David there so he can kill him. That's why this is a big deal. And so when, when Jonathan tells him, Saul blows up in anger. Um, again, this is another sign of a poor leader. Someone that can't control themselves. Someone that, that, that this is this is a out of this is a, this is a temper that just went boom. He just blew up on the spot right away. Saul is that way. He just blows up in moments. Hears something he don't like, and boom, he blows up. That's a terrible leadership example. Um, why? Because that's never how God deals, right? God is slow to anger. Anybody here that's got a hot head, got a short fuse, you need to you need to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. That God would lengthen your fuse and, 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 you know, give you some space because it's not like him. It's not like God to be short tempered. Um, and, and, and that may be how you were before Christ, but you can't continue in Christ in that way. Um, can't have a short fuse and, and, and you can, but you don't, don't say you spirit filled. Um, that if you got a short fuse, you are in the flesh. It's one of the works of the flesh. If you look at it, Galatians, uh, it says the, the outburst of wrath. That's a work of the flesh. So people that are always blowing up and bursting out, that person is in the flesh. Uh, anybody here that's been governed by the spirit, you have moments where inside you feel like blowing up, but the spirit just don't let you do it. That's the spirit of God just stopping you from being a fool when you would be otherwise. And it's the only thing stopping you is that God lives inside you and he fills you and and he just doesn't let you do. Your flesh is like, let's go, let's go, let's pull up now. And the spirit is like, don't say anything. Just smile and Go sit in the car, put on a worship tune, uh, just bring you way down, you know, and, and just stop you from all the foolishness. And here's the thing. Nobody ever regrets listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You never you never listen to the Lord and be like, I wish I had a went ahead and blown up. You never. But you 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 resist him and you have lots of regrets. You have a whole life of regrets. I think jail is full of people that resisted that. All right. They're believers in jail. Genuine believers that didn't listen when they needed to listen. So um, here Saul blows up just like David knew he would. 
He says, if he, if he gets angry, you need to let me know. That's how I, I'll know the evil is determined towards me. It says again, so um, this is what so Saul talk, calls his mother. He says, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. That's messed up. And then he says, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? He's saying, look, you've chosen him. You're supposed to be the king, boy. And you chose him instead of yourself. You're a shame to your mother. Just who would want to hear these things from your dad? Right. This is your dad. And nobody would want to be spoken to like this. But this is the kind of guy Saul was a harsh man, an unloving man. He was willing to kill his son a few chapters back. Um, just because he made a rash vow. Um, and so verse 31, it says, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Some of us, I want you to know, Saul's talking about Jonathan, your kingdom. Saul thought he had his own kingdom, too. And that'll cause you to live wrong. If you think something belongs to you. Right. We're in the kingdom. We're pilgrims passing through. We don't own anything. Um, I pastor this church. Right. I, I don't like to even say my church. I didn't die for y'all. I didn't shed no blood for y'all. This is his church. I got a job. I, I'm, I'm glad to be on the I'm glad to be on the roll. I'm glad I get to do something here. But it's his church. He bought this church with his blood. When he's come back, he's coming back for his church. Um None of us, we, we don't take ownership. We may have a ministry, something that God lets us do. I oversee this ministry. It's, it's, tr- treat that all very lightly. Treat that all very lightly. That this is, it's my privilege to be involved. It's my privilege to get to be a part of this thing. But it's God's. It's God's people. It's God's church. It's God's people. It's his kingdom. I am glad to be in the kingdom, right? He's the king and we're the subjects and he's, it's his kingdom. Saul was Worried about his own kingdom. So much of what Saul did was worried about that. How am I going to look? What are they going to say? Even when he messed up before Samuel, he said, Samuel, well, just just come to worship with me. So I still want people to look at me and think that everything is all right. Even though it's not all right. I want it to look like it's all right. And here he's telling his son, man, you could have your you're missing out on having your own kingdom. Jonathan, though he's young, Jonathan understands better than his dad does. John has already functioned as a citizen of the kingdom. He's already recognized who the king has selected. He's in agreement with what the king has done. He's okay with the fact that it doesn't involve him being king. And he's helping David become what God has called him to be. He really is, because he's not selfish, because he's not trying to have a kingdom of his own, he actually helped God's kingdom and, and, and what God was trying to accomplish at this time in the earth, right? He was his brother's keeper. He was keeping his brother safe. He's going to do all that he committed to do for David. If we could have that mindset, we're New Testament church, things are different now, but if we could have the kingdom mindset, right? That what does my king want in this situation, right? What, what, what benefits the kingdom in this? If we would think like that, behave like that, let that govern what we would and wouldn't do, we would, we would be, we find ourselves being helpful, to the things that, that matter to God and maybe not getting involved in some things that this is this is counterproductive to the kingdom. Uh, we had a very tumultuous year 2020, right? A lot of divisive things, racial things, political things, so forth and so on. Lots of things that were just dividing people up. And that was, you know, I live in the same world you guys live in. I see the same news that you guys see. Um, I'm experiencing all these things. And I, I, I really prayed like, Lord, what's what's the. I'm passing through down here. It's a mess, too. 
But what's the kingdom perspective on these things that we don't that I don't become part. I don't facilitate division, but that I help the people that are listening to me to stay, stay up under you. And that, that was really my goal. I don't want to say more than should be said, less than should be. I don't want to say anything that would cause you to have an allegiance to someone other than Jesus. So glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David and 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.